Hey guys, have a promo for you all. Uh, it's going to be from the Midwest Meltdown podcast. Do you enjoy video games, drinking, and attempting to solve the world's problems through ridiculous schemes? Spend some time with Zach and Josh from the Midwest Meltdown. This show was created by two friends who have spent the past 14 years telling funny stories, talking about video games, and anything else that comes to mind. They wanted to turn their passion for video gaming into something they could share with others. Again, that's the Midwest Meltdown. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. Check them out, and they would be happy to have you. Now, here is our show. The Happily Ever Haunted podcast may contain graphic content that may include sexual violence, suicide, or murder. Listener discretion is advised. the happily ever haunted podcast i'm bailey and i'm milton and this is the podcast where we discuss the stories of the strange and unusual Ooh. <laughs> i'm never not gonna do it i feel yeah you're never gonna let that go are you nope it's yeah. my thing it's your thing forever forever so are uh, how you feeling today uh i'm good i'm loosey-goosey if you have to say that you're Lucy Goosey, you're not Lucy Goosey. I'm li- but I'm the exception. <laughs> Are you? I'm, yeah. If I'm Lucy Goosey, I'm Lucy Goosey. Okay. All right. Well, I guess there's really nothing going on. I think we can just jump into it today. Oh, no yeah. yeah. I guess notifications. This, <laughs> this uh, quarantine life getting uh, pretty pretty stale, yeah. This homework life. This homework life. <laughs> <laughs> By the time that y'all hear this, I will be finishing up my the semester, my last classes on the semester. Celebration. And I have three more semesters. Woo! <laughs> that much so, closer. Yeah. So excited, y'all. So we're halfway d- there. Halfway there. I feel Man, like there's a song. That's what I was about to say. There's a song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too young for this. Some like early 90s hit. That Hell yeah. <laughs> I was not born to listen to. I have listened to it. I just, you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> Actually, I do have a question for our listeners. Ooh. I'll put a, I'll put a thing on the Twitters and the Instagrams, a poll. That's what they're called. Um, how do y'all feel about karaoke? Because <laughs> I've never done karaoke. And the other night, Milton and I were at his cousin's house and it was my birthday and his cousin kept telling me to sing karaoke because it was my birthday and everybody else was singing karaoke. And I'm not here for it. <laughs> but I want to know what y'all think about it. Yeah, yes. And also, if you love karaoke, what's your go-to song? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's important. What's your karaoke song? Because everyone has, like, at least a couple of go-tos. What's your karaoke song? So, I have, like, a handful. Isn't it Mr. Brightside? So, yeah. I have. I, okay, so, story time. So the Nobody first. Nobody wants to hear the story. <laughs> I mean, I need. It's a great story. So, so in college, uh, I was a part of the student organization. Many, many moons ago. Yeah, many moons ago. Now I'm old as fuck. Um, <laughs> Not really. And <laughs> and 
Yeah, I was a part of student organization, and there was this week during the uh, spring semester where all of the organizations that were a part of the engineering school, because I uh, I graduated with a software engineering degree, uh, humble brag. Um, but you don't got your master's like me. <laughs> well, we'll, you don't have. got yours yet either. We'll have. <laughs> I'm halfway there. <laughs> And so, uh, so yeah, there was a week of competition, and one of the competitions was a karaoke competition, and no one in my organization wanted to do it, so I volunteered as tribute, and as tribute, and you know, I was I was nervous, but like I was like, no one else is gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and so you know, everyone went, like all the other organizations, they went and did their songs and stuff. One dude, okay. This shit was stupid. So one dude, he did this. Um, he did the Star Wars song, like the dun dun. dun no, no, no. Well, I mean, dun, yeah, but no, not that one. Uh, so like, there's is there a words in it? there's a song on YouTube, and it's like this Star Wars song where it kind of like mashes up, uh, like all the different movies and stuff, and like it has like it has lyrics, and okay. um. But he did. What if he, he just stood up there and went dumb? <laughs> He's a win. He would have won. He just did that. He would not have had my vote. <laughs> but he played the YouTube video with the lyrics, so he was singing over the song. Oh, so he yeah. was like virtually lip syncing. Yeah. And this isn't RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> You're not lip syncing for your life here. Now sashay away. No, yeah. <laughs> so he had to redo the song. And like he actually had to actually sing it. Nobody wants to hear and that. So shit I was twice. like, so like, yeah, we were kind of over it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, I went. I did Mr. Brightside by the Killers. Great song. Uh, shout out to the band because I I mean, you've, hopefully they listen. Uh, Probably not. <laughs> putting it into the universe. Um. But yeah, I did that song. That was the first time I ever did karaoke, and I won the competition. Uh, that night. And because of that, my, our organization ended up winning the whole competition for that week. So, so I felt really badass. And ever since then, I've loved karaoke. <laughs> and so, so yeah. So my main songs are Mr. Brightside and International Players Anthem by That's UGK. That's my favorite song. And Outcast. For you to sing. So yeah, I have this like really like poppy rock song. And then I have like this gangster rap talking about pimping bitches so so that's our song it's range yeah and that is our song we we love that song especially you know everyone loves that the andre 3000 verse at the beginning because it's like the greatest verse ever so i just decided what my karaoke song would be if you ever got me drunk enough to sing karaoke oh god what it's uh gonna be and i said hey what's going on by four (laughs) non-blogs And I said, hey, yeah, yeah, hey. I can imagine no. that. I can totally well, and see then, that. Then you're never going to ask me to sing karaoke again. No, I don't want I you to do it every out. time. No. Look, I feel like I'm going to hurt somebody's eardrums. Look, it's okay because everyone has one karaoke fail. Because I had the worst karaoke fail because I got drunk and I tried to do Backseat Freestyle by Kendrick Lamar. And the the song super fast, and I just could not keep up for the life of me. And was that there? Yeah, I was at uh, it was at a house party we went to. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't want to name drop, but oh, 
It would only be name dropping if they mattered, but they don't. I know who you're talking about. Damn. Oh. Um, but any hoozles. Now that we've talked about karaoke. Yeah. You think ghosts in karaoke? Well, yeah. A lot of ghosts are musical, like planned. If you, referring to episode six, uh, there was like ghosts that were playing pianos and stuff. They probably go, ooh. <laughs> So go back and listen to episode six if you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think ghosts are hella musical. I don't know I if they do karaoke. Hella- so anyways, should we move on to the ghost? Let's move on to the ghost. All right, I'm listening. All right. So this is actually um, a topic that you should be co- uh, comfortable with. Uh, something that you uh, kind of turned me on to. Uh, a while back. For non-blondes. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, today, I'm covering the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Hey. <laughs> uh, so, I only like the St. Augustine Lighthouses because I grew up on St. Augustine. Or off uh, of St. Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Pleasant Grove. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, let's just jump into it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so the St. Augustine Lighthouse is located in St. Augustine, Florida. I would have never guessed. <laughs> the St. Augustine Lighthouse is the oldest lighthouse in the United States. The current- How old is it? <laughs> the current lighthouse was built in 1874. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but the lighthouse has a ton of history. That- oh, shit. I just remembered what I wanted to talk about at the top of this episode. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. I'll be up there in the middle. Just remind me. Okay. Okay. It kind of goes along with, you know, your your lighthouse and water. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm interested. All right. So, yeah, the current lighthouse was built in 1874, but the lighthouse has a ton of history that predates the lighthouse that you can see now. The first documentation of an establishment was in 1589. Holy fuck, that was a long time ago. When Italian cartographer or map maker Giovanni Battista Boazzi uh, marked a watchtower on the north side of Anastasia Island, where That's the lighthouse is located. The watchtower was used by Spain to look out for enemy ships looking to take Anastasia Island. Because uh, obviously, no, Florida was a Spanish territory before it became a part of America. You said obviously Florida was, and my head immediately went to a peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's true, right? That is, is true. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, many archival references support the establishment of a lighthouse in St. Augustine during the British period between 1763 and 1783. So Florida switched hands quite a few times because it went from like Spanish control to British control, back to Spanish control, to then left America. To right hand, yeah. to ambidextrous. <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah. I got that joke. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Three hours later. <laughs> Even though many maps marked the location of the lighthouse, many shipwrecks happened as visibility was poor, attempting to port at St. Augustine. But to be fair, the... To be fair. The, <laughs> to be fair, 
uh, the uh, structures that were there, there were watchtowers and they, they kind of did like a smoke signal type thing. So it wasn't really like a, a, a legit lighthouse at that point. Well, I mean, there was no electricity in 1574. I mean, but they, they, they saw like sure torches. Okay, but stuff, could you imagine like, make a big enough fire yeah, to be seen by that's ships? what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm like, to be fair. <laughs> Lord. By 1783, the lighthouse was back under Spanish control and refortified. The Same. lighthouse transitioned into America. How? Hold on, hold on. How are you refortified? <laughs> you know, on 90 Day Fiance, when Larissa was like, "My face costs ten thousand dollars," like that. But your face don't cost ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one day I hope it does. <laughs> The lighthouse transitioned into American control in 1824, once America gained control of Florida. And there is an interesting story of a problem at the lighthouse. What problem was it? So... You get these match game <laughs> So in 1822, a French engineer by the name of Jean-Augustine Fresnel perfected the Fresnel lenses. The reason that this is important is because these lenses are much more superior than the light source that was used at St. Augustine Lighthouse at the time. Oh, they fancy, huh? The lighthouse used a system of Winslow Lewis argon lamps, or essentially it was a big-ass oil lamp, uh, and reflector panels, which produced a dimmer light than lighthouses in Europe. So basically, it was like all the, what, what are they called? The oil lamps? At Cracker Barrel, get together at St. Augustine Lighthouse. <laughs> it was just like one big <laughs> oil lamp and then like basically like a mirror to mm. like reflect the light. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Physics. As a result, shipwrecks occurred at a higher frequency. I believe it. <laughs> the U.S. Treasury was slow to adopt this improve, improved system because of the expense of changing out the lenses. Instead of fixing the problem... The light tower at St. Augustine was raised another 10 feet in 1852 in an effort to improve visibility. And who had control of the lighthouse at this point? Uh, America. So, instead of fixing the problem, let's just put a band-aid on it. Seems correct. Yeah, sounds kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of relates to today, doesn't and it? And COVID, huh? <laughs> uh, the following year. Everything just keeps coming back around. Full circle. Uh, the following year, the government installed Fresnel lenses into the lighthouse that improved visibility and simplified maintenance. So it took them a year to fix it after they raised the lighthouse. Jesus. Oh, but get this. So with rate with the rising ocean levels, the lighthouse was at risk of falling into the ocean. Facing erosion what? and a changing coastline, the old tower crashed into the ocean in 1880. But not before a new lighthouse was lit. It was lit. <laughs> it's lit. Uh, today, the tower ruins are a submer are a submerged archaeological site. So, like, can you go scuba diving and see them? I I believe so. Let's go scuba diving. I don't. <laughs> you go catch me scuba diving. You might um, go Norkland. But I I don't. We've got to make stop making references to things outside the podcast. So yeah. To, <laughs> R.I.P. You're off of me. Um, but I don't know if you can just freely dive there. I don't. Know. I mean, no, you can dive somewhere else and swim over there. I know, but like, I don't know. It's if okay. They, we can do. It. I have a scuba diving license. I don't know if they thing, have restrictions. Certificate. 
<laughs> we can go together. I can teach you. you Actually, have, I can't. I don't have that certificate. I was about to say, you'll teach me on its own first. For real. The U.S. No, he won't go anywhere near the water because he can't swim. Can't float neither. We'll, we'll touch on that later. Uh, the U.S. Congress appropriated $100,000 for uh for funding a new lighthouse during the florida reconstruction period the u.s lighthouse service began constructing a new 165 foot tower in 1871 and did not finish until 1874 uh so keep that time period in mind it's going to come up a little bit later wait what was it 1871 to 1874 was half right yeah during world war ii coast guard men and women trained in saint augustine and used the lighthouse as a lookout post for enemy ships and submarines which frequented the coastline in 1907 indoor plumbing reached a light station followed by electricity in the keeper's quarters in 1925 and then the light itself was electrified in 1936 and automated in 1955 Ooh, it's electrifying <laughs> The lighthouse now serves as a maritime museum and provides opportunities for research and to study marine sciences. The lighthouse also provides a chance for paranormal encounters as well. Oh, is that what we're here for? This is what we're here for. <laughs> the most well-known spirits of the lighthouse are of two young girls by the name of Eliza and Mary Pitty. They were the daughters of Superintendent of the superintendent of lighthouse construction, Hezekiah Pitty. The Pitty family moved from Cape Elizabeth, Maine, to oversee construction of the new St. Augustine Lighthouse and live on premises. The Pitty children turned the construction site into a playground, inviting the children of the workers into their fun. Railway carts were used to move supplies from the ships uh, to the construction site. Riding the carts down to the water was a favorite pastime of the pity children. The kids rode the cart as a kind of roller coaster down to the water and then ride it back up to the construction site. That seems safe. Totally. Everything was fine until July 10th, 1873. The three pity sisters, Mary, Eliza, and Carrie, along with an unknown African-American girl, age 10, uh, whose father may have worked on the site, were riding in the cart as normal. However, the wooden board that stopped the cart from going into the water was, into the water was not in place. As a result, the cart flipped into the water, trapping the girls underneath it. An African-American worker by the name of Dan Sessions jumped in to save the girls. Unfortunately, the only girl to survive was Carrie. Who was the youngest. Mm -hmm. Following the funeral, the Pity family returned to Maine to lay their daughters to rest in their hometown. Staff researchers have not yet been able to find the final resting place of the young African-American girl. Oh, wow. Ever since those deaths occurred, strange things have happened, particularly in the keeper's house. One story involves a relief lighthouse keeper living in the home in the 1950s who reported hearing footsteps upstairs. He went to investigate, but no one was there. The head keeper at the time, James Pippin, he served from 1953 to 1955, and he was the last keeper to live at the light station. Pippin 
uh, initially lived in the keeper's house as all the previous keepers had done. But he moved to the much smaller 1941 coastal lookout building, swearing that the, quote, big house was haunted and he would not stay another night in it, end quote. So fast forward to 1960. The lighthouse is now <laughs> the lighthouse is now automated and no one permanently lives on site. So the keeper's house essentially turns into an Airbnb. A local man who crafted leather goods rented the property during the 1960s. He tells the story of waking up one night with a small girl standing by his bed. As he blinked his eyes to look at her, she disappeared. If I woke up with a small girl standing beside our bed, I'd freak the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> of course. Especially since, you know, we don't have children. <laughs> There's no children here. One night. So, um, Frankie, our dog, is half lab and half Great Pyrenees, and she's big as fuck. Um, the size of a small child. <laughs> yeah. So, she's approximately 80 pounds. Um, but she got fixed last month, or in June. And I was letting her sleep on the bed because she couldn't fit into her crate with her cone. And after she got her cone off, she and I both weren't ready for her to go back to her crate yet. <laughs> so she slept with us a couple of more nights and she sleeps on my feet. And in the middle of the night, she just got up and was like standing over me looking. And it was the creepiest thing at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I was just like, Frankie, lay down. And she laid down and went right back to sleep. <laughs> Because, like, I woke up because she was staring at me. <laughs> yeah, she'd be doing some weird stuff sometimes. No, she's perfect. <laughs> My <Okay>. baby. <laughs> In 1970, after standing empty for many years, the keeper's house burned under mysterious circumstances. Insurance fraud. Well, I don't know. Because they never, they never caught the arsonist. And they have no clue who it was. So Yeah, obviously, if you're committing insurance fraud, you don't want to be caught. I, oh, but I mean, like, <laughs> no one got paid out, I don't oh. think. Because it, it's technically, like, I think at this time, it was, like, a national landmark. Oh, okay. Never mind. So, yeah. Anytime anything burns down, that's my um, automatic go-to. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get the money. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Uh, during the renovation, both construction workers and the JSL volunteers, uh, JSL is Junior Service League, uh, reported numerous unexplained incidents in the home. The basement was a particularly active area for ghostly encounters, being the only part of the house that had not completely burned. The girls are the most active spirits of the lighthouse. As playful spirits, the girls enjoy playing hide-and-seek, Sometimes including unsuspecting people. I fucking hate hide and seek. I'd be so mad. <laughs> it like fucks with my anxiety. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one night, a lone staff member was closing up the lighthouse for the night. He heard giggling at the top of the tower. Gross. Nope. Thinking that he had left someone on top of the tower, oh he returned to, to the top to find it empty. Looking for my princess. <laughs> As he began to head back down, down the tower... He heard the same giggles below him. Nope. Descending to the bottom, he once again found no one there. The lighthouse offers ghost tours, and even visitors have encountered the girls and their playful energy. One visitor was standing on the first step of the metal lighthouse staircase, 
during the tour. When she took her first step to climb the tower, she found her shoelace tied to the staircase. So that's rude as hell. So yeah, so the metal stair, uh, the stairs, obviously metal, like I mentioned, but uh, they're like the stairs that have like the holes, like uh, the little small holes in the steps. Oh, like outdoor stairs. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, it was tied. Like that rough graded. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, probably the shoelace went through the hole and just got tied up there. You know how you could fix that? Not wear shoelaces. Not wear shoes with laces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sandals everywhere. Oh, well, I mean, I have slides. I have like vans. Slides everywhere. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, on another tour... A guide found a group of young women in the basement of the keeper's home. One of the young women rented an EMF meter to measure the electrical activity caused by spirits. The Let's young... rent one and have one in the house. Huh? Let's rent one to have one in the house. I'll be I'm, recording. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Maybe next show. <laughs> the young woman holding the meter asked the girls if they wanted to play hide and seek. The meter spiked. The woman wandered the basement searching for the hiding girls finally finding meter uh finally finding meter activity under the spiral staircase leading to the main floor excitedly she said she found them and asked if they wanted to play again like before the meter spiked once again the young woman searched the basement for the girls and after several minutes found electrical energy near the children's play table about that time another set of guests came into the basement and reportedly the in, the energy dissipated. I would have been pissed. Why? Because I'm playing a hide and seek with a ghost. And y'all just had to come in this basement and wreck my shit. <laughs> like, I would have been mad. <laughs> I'm just having a grand old time with I'm, a ghost. Yeah, I'm I'm having fun. I'm playing hide and seek with this, these ghost children. No, no thank you. And, and then you just walk up in the basement and just... They gone now. Would you play hide and seek with ghost children? If they're friendly. If they're friendly. If they're friendly I would ghost children. I would consider. I would I'm not. not. Playing, I'm not playing. Now. I don't even like playing hide and seek with real children. <laughs> no, it is difficult because like, what if like it's a demon in a child form, you know, because then I could get wrecked. But I don't know if it's if it's like this, I, I'd probably I'd probably do it. Really? Yeah. You're not scared. Um, it sounds pretty harmless, and they're they're pretty innocent. I'm scared of hide and seek anyway. <laughs> I mean, they're freaking tying people's shoes to the stairs, which like, is rude. What if you fell and like broke your ankle? You wouldn't have fallen. You wouldn't no. have broke your ankle. Okay, look, look what had happened. Okay, so you're walking right, and they tie your shoe. And you take a step with your left foot, but your right foot is tied. And, like, you just um, are hanging by your foot. <laughs> but that's... <laughs> <laughs> you see how I'm going there? <laughs> but that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it did? Because I feel like if that happened to me, that's exactly how it would go. But that's different. That, that seems more malicious than anything. <laughs> like, I felt like they were just playing, like, a prank. Like, hey, I'll, she's about to take the step on the next step. Let's tie her shoe. You know? Like... Sure, 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 sure. It seems it seems harmless to me. Harmless. Harmless. Just children having fun. Okay, if you think so. 
the girls oh you're gonna hate this one <laughs> oh great <laughs> i can't wait the girls sometimes appear to people in fully formed apparitions what several years ago during the day a ghost uh a ghost a guest was exploring the maritime hammock trails and came upon a young girl in a victorian outfit sitting on a bench reading a book as she began to ask the girl a question, another group came up from the opposite direction. Distracted by the group, the woman looked away for only a moment and turned back to find the little girl on the bench gone. In a similar instance, a woman on a ghost tour approached another woman to compliment her daughter's behavior on the tour. Confused, the woman said she had no daughter. Other women on the tour then told her that a little girl had been standing by her side most of the evening. What? There were no children on the tour that evening. Great. Wonderful. So there's just this weird little <laughs> ghost child just standing next to her. <laughs> that shit was crazy. I was losing my mind when I read that. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just no like walking deal. with this child and like, apparently she had like no awareness that she was even there. No, because it's a ghost. I mean, but you can't. I feel like you had sense, like, it was right next to her for most of the tour. You can't not feel anything. Sure, 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 sure. There has to be some energy or something. You got to feel, like, some type of weirdness at that point. Or not. How many times has a ghost been right next to you and you didn't even know it? But that that's, that could be different. That could be a ghost that's, that could be a ghost that's just, you know, their energy isn't that strong. <laughs> Like, she was a fully formed apparition and other people saw her and she was right next to you and you didn't see or say anything. <laughs> like, that's what's wild just, to me. I mean, maybe she just thought it was an annoying-ass little kid. Um, but the kid was quiet. Just because it's quiet doesn't mean it's not annoying. <laughs> I, I do not comprehend, but okay. <laughs> like, why are you standing next to me? Why are you here? Go away. The <laughs> my God, uh, why are you here? The, the girls are also believed to also what you could ask a ghost. Sorry, uh, what? So that's also something you could ask a ghost. Why are you here? Yeah, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, see, <laughs> the works in every circumstance. <laughs> Interchangeable. Uh, the girls are also believed to unlock locked doors and play music boxes in the gift shop oh great there's another spirit. i would be that employee it would happen to her every single time and i'd be like fuck i know i'm locking this door and then i would like check the door seven times before i would leave and then drive back to the store to make sure i locked it mm -hmm. and it's still unlocked <laughs> yeah that's basically what happens it's like the the staff would close up the the lighthouse and then um you know, they would come back the next morning and the door that they swore was locked would be unlocked. I'm not here for it. Not here for it at all. Yeah, so that would be annoying as fuck. Uh, so yeah, there's another spirit that also haunts the lighthouse but is less friendly and more obscure. There is a shadowy figure that appears in the keeper's house. Yeah, in the keeper's house and in the lighthouse as known as the man, quote unquote, or the man in blue, quote unquote. 
No one has confirmed who he is, but there are strong guesses as to who this spirit is. Some believe it is the ghost of William Russell, who was the lighthouse keeper during the 1850s. Russell was known for his passionate and protective personality. People believe he is only trying to look after his home and place of work, even if it means scaring off a few visitors. So yeah, so people who who have seen this ghost or have experienced this ghost, um, they say that they feel unwelcome, like like something's trying to shoo 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 them away. Um, and so yeah, this could be one. This could be the identity of this person. Others believe it is the ghost of Peter Rossmanson, who was the longest tenured lighthouse keeper. However, the strongest guess as to who this spirit is, at least to me, is the ghost of Joseph Andrew, who tragically fell to his death while cleaning the outside of the lighthouse. Perhaps the most famous encounter with this shadow figure happened in 2006 when the ghost hunters, uh, ghost hunters crew visited the lighthouse in the episode that aired the same year. A black misty figure is seen approximately two stories above the cast location. The man is seen peeking over a rail before turning around and vanishing. Like I've mentioned, the lighthouse is now a museum. And it offers ghost tours. The lighthouse is currently open and is offering ghost tours every weekend. Uh, Remember, if you do decide to visit this very haunted lighthouse, please follow COVID-19 safety standards by wearing a mask, keeping clean hands, and practice social distancing whenever possible. And that is my story. You did great. And so my references are staugustinelighthouse.org ghostcitytours.com and wikipedia.org good job so proud of you thanks that was really interesting snaps ah fucking see my life <laughs> no um we don't have time for that <laughs> <laughs> um so okay speaking of lighthouses and you know water and peninsula oh yeah yeah so what's your what's your <laughs> little story that you forgot to mention in the so you know you know how I'm keeping y'all up on my HGTV watching. Oh, okay. So we found this new show this past weekend, and it's called Caribbean Life. hmm And it's just absolutely wonderful. So, like, you need to catch up. <laughs> they <laughs> they go and, like, visit, like, these are people. It's basically house hunters meets, like, vacationing. And people are buying houses in, like, the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and shit like that. Yeah. This is HGTV training. <laughs> Stop. You gotta keep up. We switching shows every week now. Yeah. It's all we watching. <laughs> Literally, between that and 90 Day Fiance, I don't think we watch anything else. Like, we watch, <laughs> I swear to God, we watch game shows. <laughs> 90 Day Fiance in HGTV. <laughs> oh, the existence we live. And we watch, I, well, I watch Forensic Files to go to oh, sleep. Oh, yeah, you watch Forensic Files to go to sleep. <laughs> and I've been watching Cold Case Files now. Yeah, so it's yeah. between true crime, game shows, <laughs> trash reality TV, and home improvement shows. It's a great, great time. So um, we were out walking Frank the other day, and there's a pond near us. And I was like, oh, like the the ducks kept following us around the pond. Like, it's a pretty big pond. And 
who has three little cute little duckies. And Milton was like, do you think that they want food? I was like, maybe we should bring food out here and like feed them. And he goes, great, great. We're those people. We live in the suburbs. We're feeding, <laughs> we're feeding ducks. We're just 80 years old already. Yeah. I don't think our TV shows help. <laughs> no, might as well just start watching Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I fucking love Wheel of Fortune. Don't come at me. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it's good though. I ain't gonna lie. Calm down. It's past Ajax. It's <laughs> And, uh, oh shit. What's her name? Vanna White? Yeah. I have wanted to say Vivian. <laughs> Vivian White. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with Pat Sajak and Vanna White. <laughs> yeah, true. So, anyways, now that we've talked about our HGTV section of this uh, podcast, I will jump into my story. So, this week, I am covering the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Sanitarium. Sanatorium. Yeah. Okay. On sounds right. Well, on websites, <laughs> on websites, I found sanatorium, and I'm pretty sure it's sanatorium. But then some t- websites are like sanitarium, mm. and this sounds like planetarium. I could have googled, but you know, <laughs> you know, I could have googled, but I didn't. Like I had eleven, I had eleven assignments to do, and now I'm down to five. So I've been busy. Yep. The Waverly Hills Sanatorium is located in Louisville, Kentucky. The hospital opened in 1910 to accommodate 50 tuberculosis patients. But before the hospital was even built, the land was bought by Major Thomas H. Hayes in 1883. Okay, so here's my problem with this guy. Okay. Is that I can't figure out if Major is like a title or if it's his actual name. Sounds like a title. Yeah, right? Yeah. But then like when I was when I was reading some more stuff, it was like Major this and Major this. So, mm. you know, I have no idea. The land was bought to build the Hayes family home there, but the home ended up being so far from town that a school had to be built for the Hayes uh, for the Hayes daughters to uh, learn at. Wait, what? Like they were too far from town to go to school, so they had to build a school. Yeah, for themselves. So I mean, isn't that like homeschool? <laughs> I mean, essentially, yes. <laughs> but like, so he didn't homeschool him. He. He, built, he just a, built a school. He and built a like, schoolhouse. They were yes. the only students. Yes, and he hired teachers. <laughs> weird flex. Okay. Uh, hey, really, like really though, that's yeah. such a weird flex. Like, yo, I'm so far away from the town. I would build my old school. <laughs> yeah, but it was the 1800s. My kids gonna be the only ones there. <laughs> it was the 1800s. That's fine. It's fine. So, um. He hired teachers to come teach his daughters. The school was named Waverly School because of how much the teacher, Miss Harris, liked Walter Scott's Waverly novels. Hayes liked the sound of it so much that he named the property Waverly Hills. Okay. Now we're going to fast forward to the hospital. <laughs> like I said, the hospital opened in 1910. There was a horrible outbreak of TB in that area. You know what TB is also known as? More consumption oh yeah which just makes me think that i drink too much (laughs) (laughs) um apparently it was bad in the area because of the ohio river and the wetlands and they were a breeding ground for the bacteria sounds about right yeah the original hospital was a two-story wooden hospital and it had an administration building and two open-air pavilions each pavilion housed 20 patients for the treatment of quote-unquote early cases 
Okay. The hospital was expanded in 1912 to fit more patients. The new expansion included a children's ward and a tunnel connecting to the uh, connecting the base to the top of the hill. The children's ward housed children with TB as well as children with, of patients with TB. <sighs> Sorry. The 500-foot-long tunnel was originally used um, as a ferry, like, to take them for... Oh, <laughs> was originally used to ferry employees and supplies, like, up and down the hill. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but, like, as far as, like, the employees, like, once you got to Waverly Hills, you didn't really leave. Yeah, <laughs> sounds it sounds like it, I mean... Because of, like... TB concerns. Yeah, yeah. Like they had a post office, a grocery store, all of that. Sounds a lot like COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in 1926, the hospital that is there now was open. The new hospital was 180,000 square foot and four stories high. The new hospital could ac- accommodate up to 450 patients. Patients at every stage of uh, TB were accepted at the new hospital. Patients began dying at a very quick rate. It got to where there was at least one patient dying a day. Dang. Yeah. On average, 2,000 died, uh, died from the disease each year. Because of this tunnel, uh, because of this, the tunnel got repurposed to basically become a body chute. This is how they would move the deceased patients off of the hill. Now, uh, see, I, I knew that that shit was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, okay... This tunnel's used for supplies. Okay. But you know they're going to be moving the shit bodies. Yeah, but you've also watched, uh, what is it? Ram Bugara and Shame a Day go out to Waverly Hills. Oh. Yeah, now I didn't remember. See, I didn't know that, okay? <laughs> I didn't click till just now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like how I talked about the Shanghai tunnels on, I forgot what episode that was, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like you said- Tunnels always start out with a good purpose, <laughs> and then they end up being used for something less than good. More menacing. Yeah. Um, they did this, well, okay, for, they made it a body shoot for a good purpose, they thought. They did this to keep the other patients' morale up, so they're not constantly seeing hearses coming and going with uh, dead patients. Okay. Yeah, because they were like, oh, well, you got to keep the morale up so they'll survive. Yeah. So they'll beat this. It's like let's let's hide all the skeletons in the closet. I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> Although the death rate was high at the hospital, it was still considered top of the line of hospitals at the time. It was like the most amazing tuberculosis hospital. Like everybody wanted to go there if they got tuberculosis. Top of the line, right? Okay. There was obviously not a, a cure or a vaccine at that time. And the main tra- uh, treatment for tuberculosis was fresh air and nutrition. So, sounds about right. <laughs> fresh air, sunlight, fresh air. and nutrition. Yeah. Patients would be sat in front of the windows and outside to get as much sunlight and fresh air as possible. So I have a I have a, show, a photo to show you. And the hallways were basically like solariums. So they were all windows. And they would move the patient's beds out into the hallway so they could soak up as much sun as possible. Which sounds more relaxing than I think it actually was. He's soaking up all that vitamin D. Yeah. Um, there are pictures that show patients outside in lounge chairs during the winter covered in snow. 
Oh. They did have blankets. <laughs> but they had to have fresh air. Right. Um, other treatments done at Waverly Hills were much more ghastly. They included balloons that would be surgically implanted into the lungs and filled with air to expand them. Oh. Yeah. And another surgery was removing muscles and ribs from a patient's chest to allow the lungs to expand further and let, let in more oxygen. This surgery was usually a patient's last resort, and, mo- uh, and most of the time the patient did not survive. And you have to think about it. Like, I'm not, I'm like 99% sure they didn't have, like, anesthetic back then. What year? It was like 18 something, right? No, they're like before the 1930s, like 1920, 1950. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think they had Whiskey. anesthesia. Yeah. <laughs> they just hand them a bottle. It's like, take a big swig of this. I'd, I'd rather be like, I, d- I don't want this surgery. I don't want it. No, no I do <laughs> just, not consent. Just let me die. Just yeah. let me die. <laughs> Can we uh, do that? Yeah. Approximately 6,000 patients died at the hospital. So, some reports say tens of thousands. This report says 6,000. This report was based on all of the death certificates found. Mm. So, I'm not real sure. It's I mean, n- n- none of it's, like, super confirmed. But, I mean, is would it be possible that there would be people that died where they're... See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, it could be tens of... I, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm basically saying what you're saying, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the 1930s, the number of patients had begun to decline, and uh, in the 40s, like 1942, a vaccine was made. Also, also, so you get a vaccine, right, when you're a baby, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're supposed to. Yeah, let's not talk shots. about that. <laughs> Literally shots. <laughs> um, but then, if you do, because it's not 100% like you know foolproof right um if you do come down with tb there is a cure for it and it's three antibacterial things i forget the name they were like really complicated names um but yeah okay so i was like oh antibiotics it was like i went back and reread it i was like no antibacterial Mm, okay so that's good to know yeah i've been tested for tb like more than once and it's not fun Oh, you've been tested for yeah, it? Yeah, four different times. Oh, yeah. I, I think I've been tested for it once. Yeah, a girl in my high school died of tuberculosis, so I had to be tested my uh-huh. senior year twice. So, um, anyways, by the 1930s, the number of patients had declined, and in the 40s, a vaccine was made. But there was another surge in TB patients again during World War II. This is because many soldiers returning from the war came home with tuberculosis. They were housed at Waverly Hills, but most did not live more than a week. By 1961, Waverly Hills had closed its doors, only to be reopened in 1962 as Woodhaven Geriatrics Sanitarium. That rebrand. Yeah. Woodhaven had many stories of mistreatment and of patients and unusual experiments. By 1982, Woodhaven closed its doors for good. So I found multiple accounts where it said that they were closed because of budget cuts, but also because of the mistreatment of patients. But also I found where it was like it was closed because of budget cuts and the mistreatment got so bad because there wasn't enough staff Mm -hmm. for all the patients. Uh, Like that was part of the problem. Yeah. So it could have been both. In 1983, a developer purchased the land with plans to turn it into a minimum security prison, but the plan was soon scratched because... Like, neighbors and stuff of, like, Waverly Hills voted against that shit. Okay. 
And then it was decided that the hospital would be made into apartments. Could you imagine? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but there wasn't enough funding. That's great. That's really good. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then at one point, this, like, guy, oh, he was, like, a crazy Christian guy, like, above and beyond, right? And he built, he bought it and wanted to build the biggest Christ the Redeemer on it. Mm. To rip off, you know, Rio de Janeiro. Right. But that shit didn't come to fruition either. So, um. It sounds like, you know, all this stuff was, like, not meant to happen. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yes. I agree. <laughs> but he wanted to make a chapel and, like, a Christ the Redeemer and everything. He wanted to make a mega church. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. But Waverly Hills Historical Society owns it now and does tours, a haunted house, and your favorite, a Christmas laser light show. What? 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 A Christmas laser light show? <laughs> yeah. Have you never been to a Christmas laser light show? Like. I feel like you would really love it. I've been to like one or two. A Christmas one cool. or just a laser light a show? A Christmas one. Oh, okay. Like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Yeah. Yeah. Because I went with one with you like a long time ago. Oh. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> um, other than the abuse and mistreatment that happened within these walls, a lot of other things happened that could be that could lead to the hauntings here. In 1928, a nurse was found dead in room 502. She had committed suicide by hanging herself. It is believed that she committed suicide because she was 29 years old and had become pregnant, but she wasn't married. Oh. Yeah. And many believe that she was pregnant with a patient's baby, but it has also been said it was a doctor's baby. But most accounts that I found, it was a patient's baby. Mm. And then in 1932, another nurse committed suicide by jumping from the roof patio and falling several stories to her death. She was also one of the main nurses of room 502. It is widely believed that she did not actually commit suicide, but was pushed off the ledge to her death, making it a murder. Wow. But these claims have never been substantiated. Also, <laughs> a lot of people think a doctor killed her because they think that she was pregnant. So, who mm. knows? And oh, you said she was pregnancies. a nurse of 502 as well? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So, this brings me to the store, to the ghostly part of my story. I'm going to go from the main floor up, okay? All right. All right. An apparition of a woman is often spotted at the main entrance. She is often seen running out the front door, and her hands and legs are chained, and you can see blood dripping from her wrist and ankles. Oh, jeez. She cries out for help before just disappearing. In the cafeteria, an apparition of a man wearing a white coat and pants has been spotted. They didn't say, like, a white, um, like a doctor's coat, but I'm not sure if they meant a doctor's coat. Right. I would assume so. Yeah. It has not been confirmed who he is, but many believe that he was an employee there who contracted TB and then passed away. Because, like I said, like, once you go there, like, you don't normally come back because of your exposure to TB patients. And a lot of nurses and doctors actually got TB. Right. When he appears, the smell of food also uh, starts wafting from the kitchen. So, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> A little girl named Mary 
hangs around the third floor. A visitor saw Mary once and said he saw a little girl who was, quote unquote, wasn't normal. Another person who had seen her said that Mary appeared to not have eyes, and then she she refused to go back in after seeing her in the building. Yeah, I wouldn't go back in either. No, nope. I saw a ghost with no eyes. It's a ghost child, though. You like them? Uh, that's you'll play hide and seek. The ghost children, I don't. They have eyes. <laughs> they have only eyes. the ones that have eyes. No, only the ones that have eyes. So some, huh? If you don't have eyes, there's something. <laughs> you're definitely a demon. You're definitely a demon. Some say that she'll play ball with you. Others have said that they only heard a ball bouncing. The ball bouncing also has been attributed to a little boy fondly known as Bobby. Bobby? Bobby. Many people have seen children looking down onto them from a third floor, uh, from third floor windows from like when they're outside. Mm-hmm. And they'll like look up and see children look like staring out staring the, the back third at them? floor. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, that's a little weird. The heebie-jeebies are real. <laughs> um, the fourth floor is known to be the most scary. While no particular ghosts have been seen here, shadows are frequently seen on this level, and doors tend to slam shut without any cause. Many uh, visitors report feeling very unnerved, but, like, no named ghosts are there. Right. Okay. In room 502, there has been numerous sightings of an apparition of a nurse in a white uniform. Visitors have seen the nurse's apparition and they get a sudden feeling of despair once they see her. Disembodied voices have been heard uh, yelling, get out in this room. Jesus. Yeah. Could you imagine like going on a tour and just like hearing that get yelled at you? Um, I'd be like, okay. Right, I'm out. Say, say less. Right. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> um, The sound of children singing. Okay. What were your kids singing? Your ghost children? Uh, they weren't singing anything. No, they were singing. They weren't they? No. Oh, hide and seek. They're Just playing kidding. hide and seek. Yeah. Yeah. So my my ghost children, the sound of uh, children singing "Ring Around the Rosie." <laughs> I was about to say that. I was like, are they singing "Ring Around the Rosie"? Because that's fucking creepy. Can be heard on the roof. That's fucking creepy. Why? Because it's about a plague. Yeah, and it's fucking creepy. Yeah, it is. Like, I didn't even, and, like, you look back at, like, your childhood and shit, and, like, you think about, like, the nursery rhymes and shit you would sing, and you start thinking about the lyrics, and you just, like, you go all, like, genius and shit and start breaking down the lyrics, and it just fucks you up, because you're like, fuck, I was singing this as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> The main one I um the main one I remember is Red Rover. Like that's the one that I I played. What how did that one go? I don't uh, remember. Red that Rover, one. Red Rover, May I Come Over. Mm-hmm. And then like the other Okay, so it's two lines, parallel lines of children. And then like they have to say uh yes you may. And then so everybody's holding hands real tight and you have to like barrel towards them and try to break their hands. Mm-hmm. And if you don't you go back to your side. Mm-hmm. So I just Googled it while you were talking. Mm-hmm. And um, also, like, people think that it's dangerous because, like, you have to go barreling towards other children. <laughs> um, one theory is that the game, with its distinctive chant, was named after an 1828 steamboat that took passengers back and forth across the Hatchie River. 
So that's from Mental Floss. So I'm glad that's not about the plague or anything. Oh. Oh, so it's actually like innocent? Yeah, maybe. Ah. So, oh, yeah. We have to <laughs> dig deeper. But yeah. Seemingly innocent. But did you ever play that game? No. Oh, lame. But I mean, like. You had a crappy childhood. Ring, Ring Around the Rosie was like a staple. You know? I didn't like Ring Around the Rosie. It was boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you fall down though? Like, did you do the whole like we were like? Oh yeah, I got like, to fall on the ground, like prancing around in the circle, and then <laughs> just like we just dropped to the ground. I'd rather go be on the merry-go-round. I mean, true, everyone would. <laughs> <laughs> Which like, there's only like a handful left in Texas, at least. Yeah, because those are dangerous as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um. So many believe that this is because when the hospital was the TB, like when it was operating as a tuberculosis hospital, children were taken up to the rooftop for heliotherapy, which does not have to do anything with the helicopter because that's where my head keeps going. A treat. Uh, this is a treatment of exposure to, like exposure from the rays of the sun. Oh wait, what? A treatment of exposure to the supposed healing rays of the sun. Oh. My bad. Okay. Yeah. So it helps with the healing of tuberculosis. Okay. Again, the rays of the sun. (laughs) Vitamin D. Yeah. Disembodied voices can be heard down the body chute. Your favorite place to be. It's great. (laughs) So um, some other weird happenings that happened. Uh, one night, a security guard saw a floating head in one of the rooms. He, of course, screamed because that shit's, like, terrifying. Yeah. And ran down the stairs and then proceeded to pass out. Mm-hmm. He was so terrified that he never returned back to Waverly Hills, which I do not blame him. Nope. Not at all. Many visitors have reported that they've seen um, seen lights in the building at night. But, fun fact, there's no electricity in the building Oh. Yeah. So, definitely uh, not lights. It's just a rave. No big deal. NBD. <laughs> Another security guard reported that while he was outside, he saw what he described as a distinct flicker of a television screen on the third floor again. He went upstairs to investigate, but found nothing out of the ordinary. I'm seriously getting chills, chills talking about this. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then Troy Taylor, who is a part of the Louisville Ghost Hunter Society, investigated Waverly Hills in 2001 and caught a strange photo of a light burning in a stairwell, but there were no lights in the building at the time and no light hanging in that spot. What? Yes. Yeah. So that's the history and ghost of Waverly Hills. What the hell? And my resources are underworldtales.com, americanhauntingsinc.com, mentalfloss.com, and atlasobscura.com. That's, that's my story. so creepy. I'm so ready to be done talking about it because I want to turn around and look at this door. <laughs> okay, yeah. So our office set up right now, it's a little weird because we have a couch in our office. Yeah, my friend's going to get it and once he so, gets our apartment. So both of our backs are to the, the door. And normally I'm not creeped out, but like right now I'm really fucking creeped out. Yeah, that's a little, that's a creepy story. Yeah, I don't even and I didn't even think about both of our backs being to the door until you were like, "Oh, well, I'm fucking creeped out." I was like, I've never Shit. thought about it until like I started talking about, it and I was like, "I just feel like there's somebody standing behind them." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just just a ghost just standing there. Yeah, basically. 
cry oh. ever again. No, I've been like turning and looking this whole time. <laughs> 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 I'm so scared right now. But you know, now that I'm done talking about it, I'm not as scared. So it's probably just my anxiety. <laughs> you I know, mean, yeah. who would have thought? Who would have thunk? Yeah, basically. So uh, that was fun. What did you think? Uh, did you learn anything new? We had some good stories today. Yeah, we did. That was that was, that was great. Yeah, we're great. We we I mean, not to toot our own horns, but but choo choo. That's the HGTV train. That's <laughs> like I said, y'all. It's moving fast. Yeah, keep up. We're gonna get, next next episode. We're gonna have a new show. <laughs> Yo, I fucking love, like, the Caribbean life or my Caribbean I can't remember if it's my Caribbean life or the Caribbean life, but it just makes me want to go on vacation. Oh, yeah. So bad. So bad. But here we are, stuck in the house. Yeah, we, we've we watched, Mask like... Mask up. <laughs> we've watched, like, what? At least tw- we've watched, 15 episodes, yeah. No, because more than that, because we did watch a whole season. Yeah, but that one season was, like, 10 episodes. Okay, okay, okay. So... So we've watched, I'd say we've watched at least a season and three quarters. Okay, do y'all want to know the best thing about watching this show? What? Now that we're done talking about ghosts, I'm still getting creeped out. Mm-hmm. Is that these people are like, okay, so you know on House Hunters, they want unrealistic things. Like I said, it's House Hunters meets vacation. So these people are like, okay, I want to be on the ocean, four bedrooms, three baths, renovated, ready to move in. And I want an infinity pool for $300,000. And everybody's like, nah, fam. Yep. That's, that's, so true. that's so true. Or they'll be like, I want I want a view. I want a lot of space for entertainment. And goats. But I also, <laughs> I want, yeah, I want space for goats. But I also want my privacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It so is. watch it. Let us know how you like it. Yeah, we've discussed uh, running away to an island uh, a few times because and starting of the show. a bar. Or starting a yeah a bar. Uh, so if you support that dream, let us know at AGH Podcast on Twitter. Or you know, like <laughs> go fund our Patreon. It's not up yet. <laughs> Help us get to our dream. Um, no, let us know. Don't forget. Let us know your karaoke song. And what you think about the HGTV show. So don't forget to check us out and follow us on Twitter at HGH Podcast, Instagram, Happily Ever Haunted Podcast, Facebook, Happily Ever Haunted Podcast. And if you love the show, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. We would love to hear from y'all. And remember, those that haunt together stay, stay together. together. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.